Hey guys, welcome to Dark Vale. We're your hosts, John and Tori. Dark Vale is a podcast that discusses the darker side of life. We are not professionals on any of the topics we discuss. We do as much research as we can, and we do try to be as accurate as possible. However, no one is perfect, and neither are we. Because we're discussing the darker side of things, this podcast is best listened to by a mature audience. So sit back and get ready to podcast and chill! Hey guys, welcome to Dark Vale, and welcome to episode 21. My name is John. And my name is Tori. It's finally here. What? The episode that we've talked about for a couple of episodes now. <laughs> <laughs> the dark one. Yeah. The murder one. Yeah. Blood. Uh, there's not a ton of blood. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> This guy mostly liked to strangle people. There wasn't a, a lot of blood. Oh, a lack of oxygen. Yeah. There, I did it. You did do it. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get into it here. Um, so today we're going to talk about Israel Keys. Do you know who that is, honey? I only know what I've kind of heard from you about it, which actually hasn't been too terribly much. Yeah. Because this has been one that you have been working really hard on. Uh, you put a lot of work into this one. Yeah. This is... So no. The answer is no. <laughs> I don't really know that much. And I'm really excited to hear some stuff about it. Oh, good. Good. Um, <clears throat> Alright. So I'm going to start the episode by reenacting... Uh, Question that an FBI agent asked him after he was caught. Okay. Okay. So FBI agent, how long have you been two different people? Israel Keys, a long time, 14 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, I'm just setting the tone that he kind of had a double life there. Okay. Yeah. Right? I was just going to say, is this a split personality or is he living uh, a couple different lives here? Yeah. <clears throat> um, side note, my, the, the serial killers I find most interesting are definitely the double life people. I find that so interesting yeah. how you can appear normal by all accounts, basically on the outside and just be so unbalanced on the inside. Yeah. Um, however, I think we'll find out that he wasn't totally living a double life because there were, he, he was kind of questionable at times. I was going to say, so. is there some signs that something's going on in there? Possibly. Ooh. All right. So Israel Keys was one of 10 kids. So he came from a really big family. 
Uh, he was born in Utah in 1978. Israel Keys is somebody that many people know about, but a lot of people who do know about him think that he should he should be more well known because he has a different kind of personality than a lot of serial killers. So a lot of people that do know about him find him especially chilling and uh, interesting yeah. because of this. Hmm. Um, so when he was young, so he was born in Utah, but when he was young, they moved to Washington. The This is a quote from him. The mountain I grew up on is actually a lot like here, which is where he was being interviewed by the FBI. Mountains aren't as big, but a lot of the same animals, moose and bear and deer. So I believe he was being interviewed in Alaska uh, or in regards to Alaska is what he was talking about there. Oh, okay. So Keys grew up isolated and he was homeschooled. His parents belonged to a group called the ARC, which is identified on a list of racist organizations in the United States. Oh. So his parents were like um, very religious. Yep. And um, I think they verged on some racist things, but it didn't. I didn't look too much into it because... Truthfully, I don't find racism interesting. Yeah. I'm against it, so. Agreed. Um, another quote from Keys. You know, I grew up with good people. I was never, you know, everybody's always nice to each other. And everything's all sunshine and roses. So, he claims that he was not abused in his childhood. He... Claims that he did have violent thoughts when he was a kid, though. Um, quote, I either thought everybody was faking it and everybody and everyone was like me. And they just didn't act on it. I don't know. Or I figured that I was a demon child or whatever. I don't know. So that's what he said. And there was more than 13 hours of like FBI interviews of him. And I did take several of the quotes that I seen and put them down in this. Oh, nice. um, <clears throat> Excuse me. He did try to make it clear that he didn't believe his upbringing had anything to do with it. Yeah. Anything to do with this, but um, another quote, but that all went away. I didn't feel bad about it anymore. I've known since I was 14 that there was things that um that I thought were normal and that were okay that nobody else seemed to think were normal and okay. And then he actually laughs. Oh. After he says that. So, I noticed in a lot of the footage I seen of his that he would answer a question that uh the authorities would ask him and he'd laugh. Which I found creepy. Yeah. Like he just laughed like it was relatable or something. Or like it was just like a like a quirk or funny. Yeah. 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 That is. There were another weird. quote. There were some friends staying with us. So this is him highlighting his childhood. Like going through it. Okay. So 
there were some friends staying with us and there was a cat of ours that was always getting in the trash and we all went into the woods and I took a piece of cord and I tied it to this tree and I shot it in the stomach. Ooh. It ran around and around the tree and then it like crashed into the tree. I mean, I actually kind of laughed a little, but then I looked over and the kid who was about my age was throwing up like he was like really, I don't know, uh, traumatized, I guess you would say. But that was pretty much the last time anybody went into the woods with me. And then he laughs again as he says that. Yikes. Yeah. So he highlights that he does the classic serial killer uprising thing, you yeah. know, um, hurting animals. Yeah. And it sounds like at that point he didn't know for sure that other people weren't like that. So he actually let other people witness him doing that to a cat. Yeah. And when he realized that another kid roughly his age was actually traumatized and like sick from it, he realized, uh, okay, I guess everyone's not like this. Yeah. Oof. That's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's crazy. Jeez. So in regards to this kind of idea, an FBI agent noted that Keys didn't, he realized he didn't have to change himself, like his screwed up thinking. He realized that he didn't have to change himself. He just needed to learn how to hide it from other people better. Yeah. So, you know, there there comes a point in somebody's life where they notice they might have an issue and you have two choices, really. It's change what's wrong with you or do it differently. And I guess he chose do it differently. Yeah. So his, <clears throat> he realized at a fairly young age that he, you know, he's going to need a double life, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, quote from Key Israel Keys, that's when I started doing stuff by myself pretty much exclusively. He broke into houses and he stole guns when he got a little bit older. He went on to being kicked out of his house when he claimed himself as atheist. So his parents were religious. And when he told his dad he was atheist, he basically got kicked out. An FBI agent said that Israel Keys really wanted it to be made clear that he didn't want his upbringing to be blamed for what he'd become. Um, he Israel Keys joined the army and went to Egypt when he was 20. He, I think he spent about six months there. Uh, when he came back, he got stationed in Seattle and he ended up meeting a woman. She got pregnant and he ended up leaving the army. He worked for about six years after that with parks and recreation in the area. Roughly in this time frame is when he started to hurt people, basically. Um, he actually ended up moving to Alaska after he broke up with his daughter's mother. And he moved there because uh, his new girlfriend moved there. Uh, and I found it interesting that he... Took his daughter and moved there. Oh. So the mother 
wasn't the sole provider or sole caregiver. Yeah. Um, I just found that interesting to note. So it, it also suggests to me that there were control issues. Like that's my kid. I'm, I'm moving. So I'm going to take my kid with, with me. Yeah. But that also shows too, how well he kept that other side of him hidden too. Like enough that he was able to take his daughter or his kid and, yeah. and move away with her. Yeah. That's a good point. But yeah, you're what you said exactly. So in 1997, he committed his first abduction. Um, in or Oregon, <laughs> <laughs> I made a typo there. Um, in Oregon, he picked an area near a river where people liked to raft and tube. He picked a girl who'd been separated from the group that she was in. And so I'm thinking of this kind of like, you know how we live by a city called Red Deer and there's the Red Deer River, yep. right? And in the summer, there are tons and tons of people rafting and that just like <clears throat> rafting, lounging on the water, having drinks, chilling in the sun. Um, that's kind of the idea, I think. And... It, if it's anything like that, it wouldn't be too hard to find some young person that had been, like, stopped for a pee break or something and yeah. abduct someone. So, um, he'd picked a girl who'd been separated from the group she'd been in, been in. He then sexually assaulted her in the outhouse. <clears throat> um... He raped her in the outhouse. In reference to this girl, he said, Oh, she told me her first name was Leah or Lena. Something L. Yeah. So, <clears throat> when the interviewer asked if that was his first time sexually assaulting someone, he said, Well, it depends on what your definition is. And then he laughed. Because he's a jerk, basically. Yeah. Then the interviewer asked, oh, he rephrased his question and said, is that the first time you've had sex with somebody against their will? Israel Keys replies with, no, but that was the first time I, like, had tied, had someone tied up, you know, was ready to actually do that. So I think what he was trying to basically say was, it was the first time he pre-planned with, like, tools. Like, he had yeah. it tied up. He he thought about it ahead of time and put a plan into action. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, he me. basically admitted that he had already made up in his mind that he was going to kill her. And he said she believed he was going to kill her. Israel Keys says, and I quote, She was, um, talking to me and telling me, you know... Saying, oh, you're a good-looking guy. Why are you, you know, you don't have to do this. I probably would have even gone out with you. So that's what she told him while he was abducting her and assaulting her. Yep. And then he goes on to say, and all this stuff and things never really got violent like they could have if she had just been fighting me or something. She was pretty smart. She was. I mean, because it worked. I didn't. I didn't. The thing is, I just lost my nerve right at the end. 
So he did rape her, but he actually had abducted her with the intention of killing her yeah. as well. And I don't know if it was a combo of because it was his first time doing that. Or the fact that she really did get into his head a bit yeah. and uh, shook him up a little. Yeah. But he didn't kill her. Well, that's good. And I think that's a good lesson for anybody who gets abducted. Is I, I know sometimes you run the risk of talking too much and possibly getting hurt because of what you said. Yeah. But I think if you're abducted by somebody, you try anything, yeah. you can. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that for <clears throat> sure. Try to talk your way out of it. Yeah. Try whatever. Fight your way out of it. You got to do what you can to get out of it. Exactly. So he ended up letting her go. And another quote from him. Uh, for like two years after that, I kept telling myself I should have killed her. Then, like, really beat myself up after that. So a regular human may have been thinking... Oh my God, I made a plan. I abducted somebody. I almost killed somebody. And for some reason or another, I ended up not doing it. This is my chance to not go down that road. Yeah. Instead, for at least two years, he beat himself over up over the fact that he didn't kill her. Yeah. He wished he killed her. Like he made a mistake or failed. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrible. That is horrible. <clears throat> so... So, basically, Israel Keys is believed to have killed up to 11 people, okay? Yeah. However, Israel Keys um, <clears throat> was only basically confirmed slash has admitted to killing three people. Oh. And that takes us to... So chronologically, okay? Yeah. The next people he... So he admitted that he raped this girl and had intended to kill her, right? And this was 1990... Between 1996 and 1998, because he was just actually going by his memory, because this girl never reported it. Um, possibly she reported it, but it was never connected to him. Yeah. And they haven't conclusively tied him to this assault um so then it, it really wasn't until i believe 2011 that he admitted to killing two people which is bill and lorraine courier in essex vermont yep. all right so it was 2011, so it was June 8th of 2011 when he claims that he did his next murders. I mean, it's suspected that there were other ones, but this one he officially admitted to when he was speaking with the FBI. Yep. <clears throat> so, so, Bill and Lorraine Courier, they were... An older couple who had no kids and no dog. And he chose them completely randomly. And this is in Vermont. Okay. So 
A thing about Israel Keyes is, is that he had a deal with himself that when he was going to hurt people, he was going to travel far distances from where he actually lived, and he was going to randomly find people and randomly kill them. So the girl that he raped in the last thing he admitted, she was in Oregon, right? Yeah. This is in Vermont. Um... Which, for all accounts, he had no t actual ties to, and he, he did that on purpose, right? Yeah, yeah. So it can cover his tracks easier. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they were an older couple, no kids, no pet. And he chose them on purpose because of that, because there's just less things to deal with if there isn't other things to worry about, right? Yeah, yeah. He also picked their home strategically because it had a garage that he could all, he could break into easier than you know what i mean yeah um so bill and lorraine both worked for the university of vermont bill was a caretaker of animals and lorraine worked at the medical center this couple um disappeared 10 months before um a different murder that he was also linked to. So he did these two and then a different murder within a year of each other. Right. Yeah. Which to me speaks to the fact that there were probably other ones in between. Right. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. And I find it chilling that he, he's doing it randomly. Right. So yeah. he doesn't, it, it's a distance away and it's random because, yeah, it's easy to cover his tracks. They can't link him to them really easily. Um, but he would have had to have done some investigative work on that yeah. a little bit to know that their garage is easy to break into and, and this and that, know that they're going to be home. But what I'm saying is I just find it a bit chilling that these people had no idea that they were basically being hunted. They yeah. were being watched. He picked them randomly. There was no reason, like in the in, uh. So they're the the victims' heads. Like they they're good people. They're just living their life, not knowing that somebody is planning to kill them shortly. Yeah. And I just think that's crazy because in a in your own day to day life, this is something that you. It's like one of those. <coughs> it's like an event. It's it, you could never know or see that it was coming. And it's mm -hmm. happening right behind you, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There would have been almost no way of them catching on and noticing and being able to prepare for that. Yeah. Um, especially when I throw in this next bit of information that makes him also unique as a killer. So Israel Keys had kill kits stashed all over the country. So this shows... How meticulous and unique and calculating he was. He would actually bury a kit in a location first before even picking his victims. So he would go to a location that he wasn't really connected to. Yeah. Throughout the United States, basically, and bury a kit. And I'll, I'll get into what these kill kits are. But... He would choose a location that he thought was good for himself before he'd even pick the victim. So that's creepy to me. Yeah. Right? So the kill kits were like a five-gallon pail. And they included things like duct tape, 
a gun, a rope, a shovel, Drano, and lye. Other things as well. So, um, he would just travel around burying them. And sometimes they'd be buried for years before he'd even use them, too. Jeez. They were just sitting there waiting for him. Yeah. So if, like, yeah, so if he got the inclination to go to Vermont, right, and be like, oh, my kill kit's here, and then make up his mind he's going to kill somebody, I, I got my kill kit, then he'd find his victim. And most people have, have, like, most serial killers tend to have a type of victim. Yeah. Right? Uh... So based on their type, that's how they pick who they're going to kill. And then they arrange whatever tools they need to commit it afterward. Like it's almost, Israel Keys almost does it the exact opposite of yeah. what we're used to hearing, right? Yeah, that is unique. <clears throat> and me. so he went on to say that Drain, and this is a quote from him again, Drano. Because I thought Drano was an interesting thing to have in a kill kit, right? Yeah. So he says, Drano was an idea I had in case they were found right away. The dead people, I'm assuming. Yeah. I didn't want to, um, I didn't want there to be, and when I say um and ah in the middle of a quote, I'm actually just saying exactly how he said it. Yeah. Right? So, Drano was an idea I had in case they were found right away. I didn't want um, there to be any DNA on the outside of the bodies. The other thought I had that it would start the decomposition and they would, uh, it'd break them down a little bit faster. That's what, that's how he said it. So basically Drano was supposed to aid with cleaning up whatever he may have left on a body and yeah. with decomposition. Um, and it was said that he had up to 12 kill kits stashed around the country at any given time. So that's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, you would have to have a, quite a bit of thought and effort and motivation to kill to do that. Well, yeah. Especially if you're driving across the country just to bury this kit yep. that you're going to come to later on. So you drive 2,000 miles, kilometers, whatever, and you bury this kit, and then you just drive back home. Yeah, and, you know, especially if, especially if it's been there for years, because a lot of killers and stuff and people that commit crimes, they get caught with the surveillance um, of going to, going to Walmart and picking up a rope. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And duct tape, right? And if you've done it in a different, if you've bought all these products in a different state and then drove to another state and buried it three years before you even killed someone. Yeah. Like that's diabolical because you're getting away with it probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because they're not going to be able to trace that back that many years later. Yeah. And they're not going to think to look back in like Nevada. Yeah. If somebody, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, that guy was meticulous. I yeah, that's say. crazy. Um, <clears throat> so another quote from him. When I was a kid, I always used to dream that I'd find buried treasure. And well, I thought I might as well create it. And then he laughed. So he's calling his kill his kits. His kill kits buried treasure. Yeah. They're his little treasures. 
Jeez. Sometimes his kits would sit for years until he was ready to use them. Uh, another quote from Israel Keys. I, okay, so, sorry, we're going back to um, talking about him killing Bill and Lorraine when he broke into their house. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so another quote, I, I cut the phone lines because usually if there's an alarm system, it'll trigger the alarm. So after I cut cut that i was outside for probably an hour or two waiting for everybody in the neighborhood to go to sleep and then he laughed again so he was willing to put the time into sitting there for an hour or two to see what was going to happen after he cut the phone lines yeah that, that's so creepy to me yeah and he laughs after a lot of the the really crazy things he says like he's proud of it right like yes yeah. Um, so he attacked Bill and Lorraine while they were sleeping, which I find to be one of the most horrible ways to get attacked by somebody. Just yeah, you from don't even dead see it sleep. Um, You just make, another quote, you just make sure they know right away who's in charge and immediately tie them up. I jumped over on the bed and grabbed her by the neck and shoved her head into the pillow. So then, this isn't a quote anymore, then he put them in their car and he took them to an abandoned farmhouse. So basically, he attacked both of them in their sleep, tied them up, put them in their own car, Yeah. drove them in their own car to a different location, which is diabolical and smart as a serial killer because if you change locations, the odds that you're going to get caught become even less, right? Because yeah. especially if they have no ties to location and neither do you, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and using their own vehicle. Yeah. So he put them in their car and took them to an abandoned farmhouse. He took Bill downstairs and he tied him up to a stool. And he left Lorraine in the car. And she had been tied up as well, but while he, while Israel Keys had Bill in the basement and was tying him up and stuff, she actually managed to kind of untie herself and got out of the vehicle. And she actually partially got away. She got out of the car before he found her, but then he ended up chasing her. He brought her into the house and he ended up raping her. While he's upstairs raping her, her husband, Bill, who's tied up in the basement, he actually ends up getting out of that. And he goes upstairs and he was reported to be saying something like, where is my wife? Yeah. And he attempted to try to help her. And while that was happening, Key, uh, Israel Keys sh shot Bill. And then Keys took Lorraine downstairs and strangled her to death. They have never recovered the bodies of Bill and Lorraine, which I oh, find wow. very sad. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was reading an article where... <clears throat> Excuse me. I believe it was before he'd admitted this, right? Um, because it was an abandoned farmhouse. I had read that the farmhouse had been uh, demolitioned. Oh, 
So wherever he'd left the bodies, they're basically unrecoverable, I'm guessing. Yeah. So. Well, and he, if he was keeping in his kill kit's lie, I, yep. I know it eats the skin. I don't know if it dissolves bones or not, but yeah, if he buried him in the ground and covered him with lye and then that house got demolished. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a really good point. Lye is a very like, is the word caustic? Caustic, yeah, yeah. It's very caustic. Yeah. I know this mainly from Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. <clears throat> um, so I just want to point out that I feel like Israel Keys has sexually motivated murders and crimes that he doesn't want to outwardly admit. So to me, I feel like, yes, he's got a kind of a different MO than other killers. Um... He's a little bit different or whatever, but I do think that like a lot of serial killers and a lot of people that commit crimes, he is sexually motivated. He's raping yeah. people as he's murdering them, right? Yeah. Um, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I know. I do believe he also just enjoys killing for killing though, right? Because he could have easily picked somebody that didn't have a husband at home, but he's like, nah, this is the house. I'll just, I'll do these people or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, so now we're going into February 2012, and this is actually the crime that he, that made him actually get caught. So, um, February 2012, and this is in Anchorage, Alaska. So this is actually where he was living at the time. Okay. Because as I said earlier, he moved to Alaska because his girlfriend moved there. So Israel Keys broke one of his rules with this one. His rule was keep a lot of distance separated. Yeah. He actually killed somebody where he was living. Um, he killed an 18-year-old girl named Samantha Koning. Uh, she was an 18-year-old girl who worked at a coffee stand as a barista. Um, so... Her boyfriend went to go pick her up after work and saw that she wasn't there. She He just doesn't know where she is. Yeah. And later he gets a text from her phone saying that she's spending a few days with some friends. He did not believe it because she never did that. And he... It was either him or his dad. I couldn't actually find out who did it because his dad was very involved. Her dad was very involved with this case. Yeah. But... One of them actually went to the police fairly right away because that really wasn't anything that this girl would do. Yeah, completely out of her norm. Yes, and reported her missing. Like, that would be like if I just didn't come home one day and you got a text from my phone, I'm just going away for the weekend. Yeah. That literally never, I'd never do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so they looked at surveillance from the coffee shop after she was reported missing and it showed her making a coffee for a customer. And then she appears to become like quite visibly tense and worried looking. And she starts act acting strange on the surveillance because she turns a light off in the room where she's actually making coffee. And then she just leaves with the customer. Oh yeah. 
and the customer wasn't <clears throat> identifiable. Excuse me. So she leaves with the customer and he's not identifiable on surveillance, obviously, or they would have linked him to her sooner. Right? Yeah. Um, so her friends and family are, they get really involved with locating her because it's really out of her no norm. Yeah. She's beloved and she's just like a sweet 18 year old girl that's ready to start life. Right. Like yeah. it hasn't even begun really. They all pretty much instantly know something's up. Yes. Yeah. So they promptly set up a search team. People started donating money. There was pins made, there was t-shirts made, there was flyers. Like, these people rightfully weren't going to let it go. Yeah. And Samantha's dad was really, really involved. And um, so a couple days into the search, there was new surveillance that surfaced. And it was like parking lot surveillance. And it was a video of Samantha getting into a white pickup truck. So next, the the local authorities there, they actually ended up contacting the FBI. And there were several people from the FBI that were dealing with it, but one of the main people was named Jolene Godin, and she started to work on the case. And she said that they did spend some time trying to figure out if this was an abduction from someone they uh, that was known to Samantha or somebody that was a stranger because I think, uh, as we will know, oftentimes it's people close to you that are doing stuff to you, right? Like, yeah. Like a, like a domestic partner yeah. or a friend. It's it, a lot of times it's that. Yeah. So they, they narrowed that down and realized that, that it was probably a legitimate stranger that has done it. And so nothing happened for a while in the case, but then in about two and a half weeks, her boyfriend, Samantha's boyfriend, actually got it, ended up getting another text, which said, and I quote, um, it's got bad grammar, but Connor Park sign under, Connor Park sign under pick of Albert, she ain't pretty, she ain't purdy. That's what it says. Huh. So basically what it meant was in Connor Park, there's, there was like a bulletin board and then there under a certain picture, he'd pinned something for them to go look at. And there was a picture of her. Ain't she purdy? Oh, did I say she ain't purdy? Yeah. I think I have um, dyslexia sometimes. <laughs> Connor Park sign under pick of Albert. Ain't she purdy? Um, so they went to Connor Park and they went to the bulletin board and there was a picture of Samantha and also a ransom note. The picture showed Samantha with tape over her mouth. Her dad did ID her as being the person in the picture. Her dad also said that she had a braid in her hair and that was strange for her because she never wore her hair like that. The ransom note that they found at Connor Park with the picture asked for $30,000 to be put in Samantha's bank account. Her dad and authorities put some of the money in the account, but not all of it. They waited for account activity to happen in her account. 
he took so they waited and then Israel Keys did end up taking out the daily limit of $500 three different times. The police were only minutes behind him when they saw account activity, but they kept missing him and when they tried to they kept missing him when they tried to track him down based on the ATM use. When then the account actually went silent and they heard nothing for a while. So this was all in Alaska. Yeah. But then activity started happening again. And there was a withdrawal in Arizona. Then in New Mexico. Then Texas. And he actually wore a mask in all of the videos that were looked at from surveillance tapes of all these ATMs. They could tell he was driving a white vehicle. And... This happened for a little, for a small length of time, but an officer in Texas actually saw a vehicle that matched the vehicle they were looking for uh, because they got an APB or whatever it's called, yep. right? All points bulletin. <clears throat> um, I don't know if that's what it's called, but... Yep, that's, <laughs> I'm like 100% sure that's what that stands for. But... So the police officers in Texas, because that was where the last ATM thing happened, um, they knew to uh, look for a vehicle. And an officer actually ended up seeing one that matched. So he did wait until there was a traffic reason to pull him over, but he did pull him over for a real reason. Yeah. Um, the man shows showed him an Alaskan license. Oh. After he pulled them over, which was a long way from home. Yes, which was curious because that's where the abduction from Samantha happened. So the police officer knew the car they were looking for, and he also knew that he was wanted in Alaska. Yeah. So that officer actually did a really good job. Um, so they ended up searching his vehicle. And they found clothing matching the man in the ATM surveillance videos. They also found a gun. They also found Samantha's cell phone and her debit card. They actually ended up arresting him for having the card because it's illegal to possess and use someone else's debit card. No. Oh. Apparently. Which is odd because you and I have used each other's cards before. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Apparently. I don't know. Um, but that is actually why he was arrested. Israel Keys was 34 when he was arrested. They connected his truck to the vehicle from, wh from which Samantha was taken in. Um, and they talked to Keys about this. And... So, basically, like I said... He got caught on that traffic stop. They arrest him. They start fairly fastly connecting him to this girl's disappearance. And he was 34 when he was arrested. And <clears throat> so they have him in and they're talking to him. And he has demands from the very, very beginning. And he says, and I quote, I can give you the, the rest of the story. Like, you know, everything that happened, if I get a cigar, and then he laughs again. Um, he also asked for an Ameri 
Americano, which is a coffee, and a Snickers bar. The FBI have never released the full tapes of his confession. And there is some speculation because of how detailed, shocking, and gruesome it was. But I personally believe that they never released all of it because he made a deal with them. And I'll tell you about it in a little bit. Um, so, basically, he explains to them what happened to this Samantha girl's disappearance. Yeah. And he says there was a shed in his driveway and he put her in this shed. He tied her up and he was playing his music really loud so that neighbors and his family members couldn't hear anything. And then uh, Israel Keys raped her. He did this at his, at his house, his, his house yep. with his what wife or girlfriend and daughter at home. Yep. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> literally the next thing I had written. I want to note that Keys had a girlfriend and a 10-year-old daughter at home oh. while this was going on. You and I have the same wavelength. Yeah, right? that's insane. That's horrible, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> uh, I'm trying to think of the word. There's been a few times I was going to say it too throughout this, but he's very... I almost want to say egotistical, but that's not the right word I'm thinking of. He's just very... Oh. high and mighty on himself yep. like he feel like like almost like he feels immortal like he's not gonna get caught he can pretty much get away with it he's planned this all out well enough so much so like he's cocky like yep. to actually bring the girl he kidnapped to his house yeah and 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 do that in his shed yeah it's very arrogant honey arrogant that's the word there we go <laughs> so after he kidnapped Samantha uh, and brought her to a shed, he lied to her and said his reason for doing all of this was just to get money. And he actually told her he was going to let her go. And I think that is so fucking twisted. Yeah. Because giving somebody <clears throat> false hope that it like basically like, oh, if you just hang in there and, you know... I'm doing this for money. Um, this is going to end and you'll get to go home. Yeah. I just find that so, so much more extra cruel. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, he left her in the shed, actually, and went back to her workplace when he realized that her phone and her wallet weren't with them. So he actually went back and grabbed that stuff. And... Um, Israel Keys ended up stabbing and strangling her the next morning. It appeared like he didn't seem very sorry. And in fact, it appeared like he thought he was quite clever about the whole thing. Yeah, so there's the arrogance again. Um, and then he says in quotes, There's no one who knows me or who, who has ever known me. Oh, sorry. There's no one who knows me or who has ever known me. Who knows anything about me, really. They're going to tell you something that does not line up with anything I tell you. Because I am two different people, basically. And I'm the only person who knows about the kind of things I'm... And I'm the only person who knows about the kind of things I'm telling you is me. I think I wrote that quote wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but basically he's saying... It doesn't matter if you interview my friends and family. Because yeah. they don't know anything about 
me they on don't this know side. anything about his dark side yep um so after he killed samantha he rolled up her body and he put her in a box in his shed and this is the part that i find like horrible about it it's all horrible but this yeah. part really gets to me particular so after so so he kidnaps her in a shed he rapes her, he lies to her and tells her she's going to get away. He lets her live the night, he kills her in the morning. He rolled up her body and he put her in a box in his shed. Then, like that day, yeah. him and his girlfriend and, and his kid, they went on a holiday for two weeks. He just left her in his shed and went on a holiday. Jeez, like it mattered nothing to him what just happened. Yeah, so... Samantha's body ended up freezing in the shed while he was gone. And he thawed her out. He put makeup on her. I was reading that he stitched her eyes open. That one I couldn't 100% confirm, but I did read somewhere that he stitched her eyes open. Jesus. But um, he told authorities, oh, and he braided her hair. And when he was talking about this to the FBI, he actually told authorities he braided her hair because that was the way he braided his daughter's hair. It was just a style he knew how to do. I yeah. thought that was weird. So then he took the photo for that ransom note. Oh, she was already dead? Yeah. Jeez. That, that is disgusting and vile and disrespectful. Oh, yeah. And ignorant. <clears throat> That is brutal. She'd been dead for two weeks, and he takes a picture of her for a ransom note that he knows Fuck. her family's going to see. Yeah, and they probably seen it and thought, well, at least she's still alive. Yep. And she's actually been dead for a long time. Yep. So after taking that picture and sending the ransom note, or taking the picture for the ransom note. He then cut her, like he dismembered her, and he took her body to Matnuska, Matnuska Lake, and tried to find one of the deepest parts of the lake that he could dump her body in. He went under the, the geis that he was ice fishing, because it was winter in Alaska, yeah. right? And he dumped her body into the lake. He told an FBI agent that he actually did fish while he was out there. And he took the fish home and ate them with his family. Jesus. It's just, how could you do that? Dump a body and go fishing? Like, yeah. So, on April 12th, 2012, after he'd been caught and said that, the authorities went out to the lake and they actually found her body in the exact spot he said that he had dumped they would, it. Yeah. Samantha wasn't taken for any reason other than Keyes had decided to kill someone that night and he chose her completely randomly. When Keyes started talking about other murders, he said, I want an execution date. I want this whole thing wrapped up and over as soon as possible. So at this point, okay, so at this point, the FBI and the police, they caught him based on this girl's death. Yeah. But he, they didn't know that he had killed Bill and Lorraine, and they didn't know that he had done anything else. Yeah. So <clears throat> part of his demands were 
to talk about anything was he wanted um he wanted to be executed and he only told them about the deaths of bill and lorraine so that he could make a deal because they already had him basically for life because he was already caught red-handed yeah. with the murder of samantha so he only ended up giving them two other murders that he did so that he could make a deal to get executed. That's the only reason he even said anything. Fuck. And um, so at this point, the authorities suspected but didn't know for sure that there were other victims. And Keyes asked for an execution date in exchange for talking about his other murders. And And I quote... A really big concern to me is, um, you know, my kid's going to be around and I don't want her to type my name on the computer and have it pop up. I want my kid to have a chance to grow up and not have all of this hanging over her head. Basically, he wanted anonymity. Yes. He didn't want his child and family and friends to know exactly what he had done either. And then in quotes, he says, I'm not trying to single-handedly give my mom a heart attack. So I think the police didn't release all of his, or the FBI didn't release all of his tapes. Yeah. Because he made a deal with them that he didn't want his family to actually know exactly what he'd done. Yeah. And I think he openly admitted only to parts of certain things that he was already caught for with Samantha, right? And with Bill and Lorraine, the other two that he admitted to, I think he only told any of that so that he can get an execution date. Yeah. Right? But Alaska isn't one of those states that has the death penalty. Ah, good. So, from what I was reading and something I listened to, it's still up to, and I don't know what it's called in the U.S., but it's like, you know, here there's the federal government, but also the provincial government, right? Yeah. So, and I think it's mainly the same thing. It's like government by state, but government that rules over United States like a higher um, court system or whatever. Yeah. So it was technically possible that he could still get an execution date, even though Alaska didn't have the death penalty, but it was very rare and unlikely. So I think they still made some sort of deal with him. Yeah. Right. Um, However, um, while he was in jail awaiting his trial for the murder that he actually got caught doing, yeah, he killed himself. Oh, like a true Fuck. coward. Yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say that. That's why he wanted to be executed too. Is he wouldn't have to to live stuck in jail, and that's the only reason I was disappointed. Um, or rather, not disappointed, but happy that he was hopefully not going to get the death penalty was because a guy like that deserves to rot in a jail cell and live the most unproductive, boring life Yep. and deal with the other inmates and just 
not not the easy way out of death, but he did it himself anyway. Yeah, exactly. I I agree totally. And I mean, I don't want his kid to be able to type his her dad's name in and see what he did. Yeah. I don't want a child to know that, but you you play dumb games, you get dumb prizes. Yeah, exactly. You you have to realize that if you're going to do these things to people, your kid's going to be affected. Yeah. Your your mom is going to find out what you did. Oh yeah. Exactly. Right? Like you get that because you did that. Yeah. And yes, part of sitting in jail for the rest of his life would have been being very upset that he hurt his family. Yeah. Right? Exactly. That would have been kind of an extra level of suffering he would have actually had to deal with. And that's probably a big part of why he killed himself, because he didn't want that. Yeah, he took the coward's way out of even dealing with the after effects yeah. of what he did, right? Yeah, exactly. So Israel Keys also he did he did very in very general ways admit to killing other people. Yeah. So he did also say that he killed four people in Washington. He also said that he killed one person in New, New York State. He also said he robbed banks in New York and Texas, as well as committing burglary and setting a house on fire in Texas. <clears throat> so that makes him linked to roughly 11 deaths or murders. Um, and it is suspected that there may be some that were committed out of the country as well. Israel Keys liked to turn off his cell phone and pay for things in cash so that he wasn't easily detected or incriminated for crimes. He also claimed that he did not commit crimes in the same area more than once or close to where he lived, right? Yeah. Um, Israel Keys ended up committing suicide while awaiting trial for the murder of Samantha Koning. He used a razor that he had hidden to slit his wrists. And he also used his bedding to strangle himself on top of it. He died on December 2nd, 2012. And um, he left a suicide note yep. that I looked into and thought about reading until I actually read it. And it's just a whole bunch of stupid bullshit jargon. Like, it's dumb. Oh, really? Yeah, it, did, it doesn't deserve... <clears throat> To be read. Yeah, so Israel Keys gets brought up a lot in different crime groups and stuff that I belong to because um, the fact that he had up to 12 kill kits buried all over the U.S. Yeah. And the fact that he basically picked a location and then picked a victim very randomly... Um, it's truly terrifying because anybody is a victim then. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Anybody could be, for sure. And I'd read a few things here or there where he'd, like, found a couple in a park and had set his sights on uh, attacking them, but then, like, something happened and then it didn't work out, like... Cops were like, oh, you can't be in this area. And then the people left. Like, things like that too, right? Yeah. So he was actively looking for locations and stalking people. And I do... I kind of feel like the, maybe some of his MO is based on his military life. Because 
I think when you're in the military, you get sent to a location and whatever enemies you happen to see there are who you kill, right? Yeah. So maybe I'm really reaching hard at that, but I was thinking that that kind of might be a connection based on how he was taught in the military, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, <clears throat> his training probably definitely played some sort of a role in it for sure. <clears throat> But, but yeah, and sorry, Annie. No, I was just going to say, I don't think that that's wrong to speculate. But yeah, and I think, I would think that there's definitely more victims than the ones that he just admitted to. And based on the really callous and disgusting way he went on a vacation after killing somebody and then yeah. took a picture of her dead body trying to make it look alive so he could get a ransom. Yeah. I don't think that's your first crime. No. When you're doing something like that. No, I wouldn't think so either. Especially since, like, his first one, um, the first girl that he, he, well, he raped her, right? And then he, I believe he had kidnapped her too, but he was, kind of got talked out of it, and he kind of got maybe, like, the cold feet on doing that one. Yep. And that, that... The very next one would be that, and he would give so little care into it that, yeah, there's got to be more in between that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you spend two years beating yourself up about not killing somebody. Yeah. I think next time you're going to kill, and then kill, and then kill. I don't yeah. know. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just think that that is a pretty interesting story. There isn't, I mean, there is a whole bunch of hours of his interviews and stuff, but unfortunately he decided to take the coward's way out and didn't help any other families find out what happened to their loved ones. Yeah, no <clears throat> so, That's brutal. Yeah. Well, that was uh, an interesting and intense story. That was a good one. Yeah. You did good work on that. I really liked that. And I literally, I don't know if I've actually really ever heard this guy's name except for yeah. anything you've ever mentioned. So, yeah, that was crazy. That was a good one. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> so, I just want to tell our listeners that we have a favorite podcast called Little Nerdy. Yep. And they talk about things like board games, movies, TV shows. What else? Yep. Um, anime, um, video games. I don't know if you... Did you mention video games? No. No. Um, <clears throat> books. Books, yeah. Like a lot of the, the... And I use like air quotes, like nerd culture, right? Yeah. Um, they have some really good discussions. They do the debate without hate yeah. once a month, which is really good. There's a lot of good humor in there. Um, they're both good sports about it. Um, yeah, and they release a, a new episode every Tuesday. Yeah. So you guys should definitely check them out, um, especially if you've got a little nerdy side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is correct. So every Tuesday for their regular episodes, 
one Friday a month for Debate Without Hate. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah. Check them out, guys. They got a Facebook page, too. And, uh... Um, yeah. And besides that, I have a son with a YouTube channel as a gamer. Uh, his name is Dolphin. And D-O-L-P-H-Y-N. And I have a brother. Same kind of thing going on on YouTube. His name is Spicy Musk. M-U-S-K. Turd. T-U-R-D. And um, <clears throat> I'm not even going to speculate on what that means. I actually know <laughs> what it means, but I'm not getting into it. Um, he's just whack, wacky and silly. Yep. Yeah, check them out because your son also does the editing for his own YouTube videos, but also for your brother's. Yeah, and he also does other YouTubers editing as well. Yes, yep. So, I, do you guys have any videos you want edited? Hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, <clears throat> thanks for listening this week. And we will uh, be back next Monday for some podcast, podcast and chill. chill.